Attention architects and creative minds, get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul, uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. Thank you to BQE, the makers of BQE Core, for their support of this episode. BQE Core is the software that makes it easy to manage your projects and people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability. Learn more at bqe.com. Context and Clarity has been called a community-based pro-practice masterclass for architects. It's awfully high praise, but since we began this journey back in April of 2020, we've certainly grown into a community of small firm architects, all focused on what matters most to their success. And by the way, it doesn't matter if you're the employee of a firm that's dreaming of going out on your own, or you've owned your own firm for 26 years. There's something here for everyone. And that's where you come in. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Context and Clarity Podcast. Every week, we have a conversation with an expert or a thought leader on things that matter most to the success of architects just like you. Then we go backstage with someone from our community and we talk about what we learned, what our biggest takeaways were, and how we're going to apply what we heard to our own businesses. In this episode, we talked with Rain Bennett. He's a filmmaker and a keynote speaker. He's a storyteller and an author. He's the director of video production at Six Second Stories and the author of the book by the same name, Six Second Stories. I came across Rain on TikTok and immediately connected with him. Storytelling is a thread that runs through everything that I do. So it only took about a 60 second TikTok for me to realize that Rain and I are kindred spirits. Anyone that's a filmmaker worth their salt has to be a good storyteller. But Rain's also good at teaching storytelling. I think it's his ability to pull together examples that really help us connect with the lesson at hand that's his true teaching superpower. Plus, he's energetic and funny. 
So I hope that you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. As usual, Catherine McPhail joined me for the conversation with Rain Bennett and then again backstage afterward. Catherine is my co-host and she's an architect and podcaster from Arlington, Massachusetts. In addition to Context and Clarity, Catherine hosts Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven and she's the CEO of Demios Architects. As always, I'm looking forward to our conversation about our takeaways from the conversation with Rain. So let's go backstage and listen in as Catherine and I talk about our conversation with Rain Bennett. I found Rain Bennett on TikTok, probably during COVID at some point. And I, you know, I, he, this is one of those I found on, on TikTok. He talks about storytelling, like I said. Um, that's near and dear to my heart and, and that this is, I really connect with this guy. I really identify and align with a lot of what he says. So, um, it was, it was kind of fun for me to have this person that I've pretty much interacted with via TikTok, also email and LinkedIn, but, but, uh, to, we didn't have him in real life. We had him via restream, but to actually have a, a face-to-face conversation, was, was, uh, kind of fun for me. I also think that what Rain talks about storytelling and using storytelling in your business is something really, really beneficial and important for architects to understand, uh, to communicate like human beings. I guess we have a pretty bad reputation. I don't know. I kind of feel like I'm a regular human being, but maybe there are, I do also think there are some architects who are a little bit too uh, serious. So I mean, they could loosen up a little bit. Maybe that's where storytelling comes in. Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely think that's that's a place. I think a lot of people, and, and you know, we're we're talking about architects because that's our community, right? That's our that's our audience. But it's not it's not just architects. I see this a lot through professional services and and other expert type type roles where you get really hung up in, in being that expert or being that professional. And there's obviously there's nothing wrong with that. We don't want to discount any of that, but your audience, if you will, the people that you need to communicate with, and let's just maybe assume that a lot of times that's clients, they're not experts and they're not professionals. That's why they're hiring you and they don't have your education and they don't have your experience and, and they don't know some of the words that you use and things like that. So being able to communicate in a way that I think not only that they understand, but also um, that they latch onto and, and they, like, Oh, I totally get this architect. I get where this architect is coming from. I'm excited by what they do and what they talk about and what they believe. That's, I think that's a big part of uh, what's possible through storytelling. You know, I feel like a lot of times we talk about, about the value of um, essentially making friends or being a good person. I can't even remember which ones we have talked about, but it it boils down to being friendly and being kind to people. Um, Jeff, I can't even think of an example of who, I guess maybe like the networking or, or just other stuff. So to me, it's the same thing with storytelling. Like we've already lived 50 something years. We probably already have our own style of being and storytelling and maybe maybe it's different like we get more um 
self-conscious in a professional setting and maybe that's it. And maybe around our friends, we tell a lot of stories or our family. Maybe some people just don't like to tell stories. I think there's probably a lot of truth in that. I think I go back to, we, we closed the converse or came close to closing the conversation with rain. It was, it's right before the end of the conversation, but I wanted to make sure that we asked about, or talked about the line between professionalism and personality. And I think, you, you know, there's in the profession of architecture, if you, if you are an architect, if you are a licensed architect or a registered architect, whatever your state calls it, whatever the designation is in your state, you've worked very hard to achieve that designation and to, you, you, you have worked very hard to earn the right to be that professional. And I think many times, because I, but I do this with clients sometimes, you know, it's, hey, you, you've got to let go. Um, I, I will even say maybe there's a different way that you should talk about yourself or a different term that you should use that resonates more with your ideal client. And sometimes that offends people. And I get why. You know, well, you know, I went to school for a whole bunch of years and I passed all of these really hard tests and I have all of this experience. I, I get that. And, um, and, and I'm not trying to discount that at all. But what I am trying to do is help you be more relatable to the people that you're trying to serve, the, the, your, your clients that you're trying to serve. And I, I think there's this tension. That's, that's what I, I said with, with Rain is I think there's this tension between personality and professionalism, you know, how much, I don't know, stodgy professionalism is, is too much. How much, what's the opposite of that? How much loose personality is too much? You know, where do you, where do you draw that line? I think it's way more important than it's ever been. And I think it's a lot less important to be what we think as professional these days, this, this, this old concept that we had of like, no, your business is personal, you know, like, no, the lines have been blurred a long time ago. Okay. And personal branding is, is a, is a great opportunity to find your ideal audience, which we've talked a lot about today. Okay. However, there is a line of oversharing, right? You don't need to share every gory detail about your story. You want to communicate with people and make it about them. You don't want to make it all about you, but you do want people to respond to you and find your unique perspectives that appeal to them, right? From my journey or, or point of view, it also takes a little dab, a little trial and error to find the right recipe for what works for you. So know what your values are. Be yourself. Don't be afraid to be yourself because of professionalism. That is a hard stop, I feel like, after that. But like everything, there's sensitivity, there's knobs, right? That you dial it up and ramp it up or you dial it back. So I love comedy. I always have. And I noticed that in my content, if I ramp that up a little too much, it does, it falls flat. It doesn't work. It's not because I'm not funny. I'm hilarious, folks. You should probably know that by now. But if I make it too much of the brand, it just doesn't work. When I am passionate and heartfelt and, 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 and talk about the things that I love, but it's more on that heartfelt level with a sprinkle of comedy, that's my recipe. It works really well. 
But whenever I've tried, it could be in a simple Instagram post or a video or whatever. When I try to go too hard with the comedy, it didn't quite resonate with the people I was trying to impact. It might have resonated with the wrong people. So then I'm like, oh, I'm starting to get the recipe now. Then once you get the recipe, you just you play the hits, you know, you hit you hit that button over and over and over again. So it takes a little bit of work to to find out. But I will say lean into yourself, because, again, we're trying to figure out what you do differently. Find out why you do what you do. But no, there is a point where you don't need to be completely authentically yourself. I mean, if I told everything that I do or have done or you know what I mean? Come on. We don't want to know all those gory details. Being friendly, being relatable. Uh, being understandable, resonating with these people that you you want to uh, become your clients is ultimately the most important thing. There, there's so much, there, there's such a need for trust in the work that you do as an architect, whether you're designing houses or fire stations or dormitories or whatever, Somebody is really going on a, out on a limb and trusting you a lot with their hopes, their dreams, their huge budgets, their whatever. And so you have to be relatable. I think, I think that's part of the power of, of this. How do we relate? Whoever that audience is, whoever that client is, how do you relate to them on a level that they can start to trust you? Right. And I guess some stories would be more appropriate than others to get people to trust you. Is it the right? time and place and person for that story is probably the most important. That's why I asked him about whether or not he was primarily um, coaching people to do written stories or filmed stories or so. I mean, I know a comedian really works on their story, stories, and they fine tune everything. Does it seem I are, are we supposed to, and I, I'm sure everybody has that uncle who has a certain Six story that they always tell, and you've heard it a million times. And then I often think, I don't want to be that person to tell the same story. And then if I change the story, then I feel really uncomfortable and like, oh no, that person was there before when I told this story last year. And now they're there and I told it differently. And that's like, I'm lying. But really, you're just including different, maybe including different details or whatever. But are we supposed to have a certain, like, a certain bucket full of stories that we can just bring out at certain times that we tell every. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I, you know, and I wish we had gotten to that in the conversation with rain because somebody asked that uh, earlier in the week. And as I was doing my research, which this week was kind of fun because a lot of my research was either rain's podcast or rain's TikToks. <laughs> so I was, I was flipping through a lot of his TikToks, and I came across several where he talks about, I don't know if he uses the term bucket, but, but he talks about the, you know, that collection of stories that you have. Um, and I think the importance of really kind of understanding your audience, which in my mind always takes us back to, it, it, assuming that we're talking about clients, um, always takes us back to our ideal client. So understanding our ideal client and then the things that resonate with them in different situations. And so I guess the way I would think about it is, okay, here's this project and here's a story. And I know that this resonates with certain types of clients. What, what has this person that I'm talking to right now, what clues have they given me that will 
help me tell that story in a way that will resonate most with them or, or some other story, you know, pull, pull some other story. Um, but as, as you were just speaking, as you were just saying that it reminds me that I, I have one really big story from my past. It's a really big story about client, a, a client of husband and wife client and their project and everything, you know, starting with a, a referral from one of our past clients to the, the eventual completion of the project. It, that's a, that's a really big project. And it, it just, it's like a perfect storm of a lot of things, but there are a lot of little sub subplots in there that I can pull out the story of the, the porch that you're referring to as one of those subplots that I can pull out. You know, there are different lessons that come out of that. And so sometimes I'll, I'll tell a one piece or another piece of that story as I think it, as I hope, I guess it applies to, or might resonate best with the person I'm talking to. I don't know if that makes sense. That's your material basically, right? Yeah. Like then you pick little pieces of it and you might tell one or another. I really got hooked on and interested in storytelling probably back in 2010 or something like that. And when I went out on my own, that was really became the basis of, of what I did for clients and it's evolved, you know, how, how that's applied has evolved a lot over time. But so I've been studying storytelling and the neuroscience behind storytelling and story structure and all of these things. And like Rain said, I I really, really appreciate what he said at the very end of our conversation, because Sarah Lee made a comment about needing to learn how to be a good storyteller or something. And Rain said, you already know how to be a storyteller. It's part of the human condition. This is how we, how we communicate. Now, can you get better at it? Yes. Do you need to unlearn some things? Probably, but it's, it's, it's there. And it's just uh, maybe a, I don't, I don't think he said it this way, but it's a muscle that we need to develop. Let's take a quick break to share more about our sponsors, systems and standard operating procedures. You already know that's how to build a profitable business and find the freedom that you want. You need systems and procedures, but you struggle with choosing which systems you need the most and how to implement those systems quickly so that you can get back to doing what you love to do the most. The Designing Your Business Masterclass series was created by acclaimed architect and business consultant, Douglas Teeger, FAIA, to help fellow architects and engineers run their firms more profitably while maintaining a healthy work-life balance. Douglas grew from a solo practitioner to becoming managing partner of his 30-plus person firm and then later sold his firm so that he can do what he does today, helping architects be more successful at Tiger Consulting. On the third Wednesday of every month, Douglas dives deep into an essential topic that will strengthen the profitability of your firm and make it sustainable for growth in the years to come. Register now for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass with Douglas Teeger at bqe.com slash masterclass. And then start implementing powerful systems for the profitability you need and the freedom you want. 
Every live masterclass session includes AIA continuing education credit. And when you visit bqe.com slash masterclass, you'll have access to the full library of past sessions on demand. The Designing Your Business Masterclass is free. It's brought to you by our friends at BQE, the makers of BQE Core, the software that makes it easy to manage your projects and your people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability. Register now for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass at bqe.com slash masterclass. That's bqe.com slash masterclass. And now let's get back to the conversation. Storytelling is a huge part of Southern culture, a, a huge part of the best Southern culture. I, I remember sitting on my grandparents' porch or at a family reunion for that matter, and just listening to people tell stories. I think that's a, as I think back, I think that's a big part of what really interests me is my gosh, I, I grew up around people telling these stories. And sometimes they're, you know, they're just, you know, complete crazy fabrications. And sometimes they're the history of who knows what. And, um, but they're, you know, just really engaging, entertaining stories that I, that's, I really think that that's part of my DNA. So I, I love it. I've got a friend that's a professional storyteller. That's what she does. She gets hired by people and organizations and companies to write and, and tell stories, perform stories. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, that'd be fun. I mean, stories are great. The moth, you mentioned the moth on our show today. And that is one of my favorites. And it has been for, you know, ever. It doesn't matter what the stories are. I love hearing. That's why I love TikTok because I seem to be on the side of TikTok. There's just stories about people's everything. They're just regular people telling their stories about whatever it may be. And I could listen to them all day. Sometimes I do. I think that's a really good point. You know, if you, so what, you can go up to three minutes on TikTok, right? You can do a three minute TikTok. Yeah. But some people do 15 parts and I find myself sucked into the story. That that's an interesting point because yeah, you could, so many stories that we're used to are, if we take Hollywood, they're two hour segments, right? We've got, we've got this story. We sit here, we watch this for two hours and then there's, there's the setup for the next one, the sequel and, and so on and so forth. And in TikTok, it's three minute segments potentially, or one minute or whatever. But, but I think, I think that's a really great point. If you wanted to practice storytelling, whether you love TikTok or hate TikTok, something like that could be very helpful. Can you get to the point where you can tell this story in three minutes or less or one minute or less, you know? Well, yeah, I don't, I just, it is pretty fascinating, but it is a pretty basic human, um, I don't even know the word to be a human condition, the human, it's like a human thing that we do. I wonder if it's possible to even, and, and I guess maybe this gets back to Rain's point about you are a storyteller, you're a human being, but are you, is it possible to even be an architect without being able to tell stories? Because whatever it is that you're designing, 
you know, you're working with a client or, or even, even if your own, you are your own client and you have to get a permit or an approval from the city council or whatever, there's a huge leap between, Hey, here's this thing, or here's, here's this drawing to what is it? What problem does it solve? Why did you do this? Um, how does it work? How do you live in it? You're always telling stories. And I, I think to me, and and part of this is my bias because this is what I do, but I think we think about storytelling in like a, a marketing sense a lot. But to Rain's point, it's communication. You know, it's it's part of the design process. It's part of the collaboration process. It's part of getting approval from your client. Hey, listen, I did this and I made this change because of this and you said this. And so we made this larger or this smaller, we moved this one, you know, whatever the, whatever's going on with the escapades. Um, but it's, it's all stories, isn't it? I think so. I think stories are vitally important to helping people understand, especially in our world. Now I don't, I don't quote unquote do architecture, um, but in our world of, of serving our clients, I think stories are vitally important to help people understand things where they don't have expertise or experience. True. That is true. Yep. And also selling things like telling a story to sell a product or a thing. Yeah. And, and that reminds me of the, we talked a little bit with rain about the significant objects study and, and book. Basically, they bought a bunch of knickknacks on eBay for, I don't know, it's like $128. And they hired marketers and writers and people like myself to craft these narratives, these stories and descriptions. And listen, I'll flash forward. Like, I've used this tactic in Facebook Marketplace and et cetera, like to make a story around the thing you're selling. Um, and they ended up selling that for like, I don't know, it was a ridiculous amount of money, like thousands of dollars for $128 of items. And, you know, I posted a, a TikTok video about it because it's a great example of it working. Um, and there's a lot of people that a lot of trolls that chimed in, like, great, taking advantage of people, you know, yada, yada, yada. First of all, the money was all like donated to the writers and marketers. Um, but it's, it just shows you, it's like, it's value is in the eye of the beholder and the client, right? So it's like, if I'm willing to pay more for that knick knickknack, because it's got a story behind it, that's totally up to me. There is no, there is no set inherent value for little knickknacks that you have around your, your, your desk. You know, there's no set value for those. That's what it means to you. I have socks that I get on father's day for, with my daughter's little face on it. And it gets, gets read up every year with a newer one of her from that year, bro. How much are socks? Like five bucks, 10 bucks? Like those are priceless to me, right? That's a good, that's exactly the point that we're saying. Like you, you, people make decisions based off of their emotions. I'm not saying that logic and, and rationale doesn't play a part. Of course it does. And there are certain people, engineers, that really make decisions based off of X's and O's, right? But you're still, here's the thing, even with engineers, you're still appealing to the emotions or even someone who's really focused on the bottom line. You're still appealing to that emotion that cares about the money, right? So like, it's not, it's, it's always about the problem you're sol solving, solving for them. And so significant objects was just a really good example of like, Hey, how can you, how you can just 
add a narrative to something and it starts to mean more to people because we have our emotions are conjured up now otherwise you're just saying like dorm fridge 150 bucks right in significant objects the experiment or whatever that they they did they made the stories up but the idea is you found this trinket you bought this trinket on ebay for a dollar if you tell a story about it as as the description when you resell it is there value in that story and what they found in that study was yes actually there's a lot um they they it was I, i don't know what the numbers were but the the they were exponential and I, I think that tells us several things. First of all, um, if you're an architect trying to convince someone of your value in the process or whatever, I think you better be telling a story that resonates with them, that makes some sort of emotional connection with them. If you're trying to stand out as, as a professional um, from, from others, you better be telling a, a good story. Um, you know, if you're trying to um, maybe get your client to approve a certain idea or buy into a certain concept or something, you better be telling a good story to help them understand it and and um, find some attachment to that. E- even the most simple stories and what we might think of as the most mundane stories are helping helping all of us to assign value to things. Thank you to BQE, the makers of BQE Core, for their support of this podcast episode. Visit bqe.com slash masterclass to register for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass. Well, what did you think? Did you hear something in there that you can use in your practice today? If you were so inspired by this conversation that you'd like to watch the entire Context and Clarity Live episode, head on over to the Entree Architect YouTube channel. There's a playlist there that has all of the full Context and Clarity Live episodes. And if you want more of the Context and Clarity podcast delivered to you every week, give us a thumbs up and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. If you like content like this, check out Gable Media. It's a multimedia network for people that care about the built environment, and it's the home of Context and Clarity. With Gable's growing family of podcasts and video channels, I know you'll find something there that interests you. You can learn more at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And one last thing before you go. If the topic of today's episode is of particular interest to you, join me over on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern inside the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. That's where every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern, I host Context and Clarity Conversations, and we take topics like this, and we dig deeper. We have a conversation in real time to try to find more clarity around the things that matter most to you. So thanks for listening. I hope our time together has inspired you to think about your community and your practice and how you can support those around you. We'll be back here again next week, and in the meantime... I hope you'll join me and the Entree Architect community on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern so that we can help each other find more clarity around the topics that matter most, no matter what your context is.
I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us. Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.